Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and flip. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge. Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is September 20th, 2022. We are entering week three of the NFL fantasy football season. Yes, it is the NFL fantasy football season. My name is Michael Nazareth, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, very experienced fantasy player and fantasy writer, great friend, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Very well. Certainly much better than our FanX team did this week, but uh, I'm actually doing pretty well. I can't complain aside from uh, the shellacking that I took at the, at the hands of our FanX opponent and a couple other of my local leagues, too. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, the uh, the running backs disappointed. We built our team around running backs, and, boy, they came up short. Uh, if you had Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill on your team, you probably or both, I've seen that in, <laughs> in a couple of instances, you racked up the points this week. Uh, boy, uh, you know, what, what a difference a, a week makes in, in terms of points. People are struggling to get points in week one. Uh, lots of good uh, scoring in week two. Uh, by the way, we want to welcome a new sponsor of the show, FanDuel. Yes, DFS. Uh, FanDuel is the company that you want to download their fantasy app, played lots of great games. We've got a special gift uh, coming your way later this show. But uh, welcome to uh, the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge uh, show FanDuel, we appreciate your sponsorship. Let's get right to the news and notes. A couple of key injuries. Let's talk about this. Well, you know, I was never really a fan of Trey Lance in San Francisco, uh, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't want him to break his ankle, and that's exactly what happened. And now it's the Jimmy G show uh, in San Fran. He took over uh, after uh, Trey broke his ankle early against the uh, um, well, their opponent this week. And uh, he guided them to the win. I think it was the Bears. I think uh, a- anyway. Or uh, anyway, uh, Jimmy G is now the guy. So the question is, uh, if you got a guy that's struggling at quarterback on your team, do you run out and grab Jimmy G? Is he a good fantasy play? Uh, what's the impact there, uh, Chris? I-, I certainly don't think he's a bad backup quarterback. I mean, he's proven himself to be fantasy serviceable uh, and very matchup dependent in in some ways. Um, He probably has the best receiving crew that he's had in the the few years that he's been in San Francisco with Debo ascending and Ayuk finally healthy. You know, when George Cato comes back, that's a pretty good threesome to to be tossing the rock to. So I think he will definitely be serviceable as a backup. You know, if you've got a guy like, uh, I don't know, a Matt Ryan who's struggling, and even if he wasn't struggling – just doesn't have a high volume capacity or the kind of receivers to throw to. 
I think he's a, a more than suitable replacement for a guy like that. Um, or if you have another guy that, uh, you know, maybe you drafted Zach Wilson or, or Joe Flacco as your backup, he's certainly better than that. You know, better than a Davis Mills, better than, you know, maybe not the, the, the high floor with the rushing upside of a Justin Fields, but probably has a higher, uh, higher uh, consistency level. So there are a lot of guys out there that were drafted as fantasy backups that I would rather have Jimmy G as. Um, as far as the fantasy impact for the guys around him, we'll talk a little bit more about some of them uh, when we get to our clicks and flicks. But uh, I, I think actually the offense just looked crisper with him in, in, on the lineup, on the field. Um, no slight against Trey Lance, he's, but he's still basically a rookie and a veteran who, who knows what he's doing and works with these guys before is going to look better. And the offense did look better. So we'll see how it looks when he comes out uh, from snap one this week. Yeah, and he might get uh, George Kittle, uh, who was fairly close to playing last week, might get uh, him back this week. And, by the way, it was Seattle that they beat last week, and it doesn't take much to beat Seattle these days, but that's what the 49ers did with that good defense, and Jimmy G made some good plays there. Uh, Moving on over to uh, a little bit uh, east of that uh, area in Arizona, uh, James Conner. Uh, in the third uh, quarter, uh, sprained his ankle. They said to be a lateral sprain, so he might actually play this week. But anyway, he's day-to-day. The fantasy impact there is that uh, when he got injured, Eno Benjamin was in the game. Uh, Then Darrell Williams came in, brought off a long run, stayed in the game, got the score. Uh, But it looks like there might be a timeshare. What happens uh, if Connor can't play this week? What's the fantasy impact, Chris? Well, it looks, it looks to me like Eno is going to get be the first one out, and that's what they've been talking about all year. But Daryl Williams has proven himself to be very fantasy-worthy coming in off the bench and replacing an injured starter in the past. So um, I wasn't surprised to see it the way it worked out. I'm sure they will split time. But if I had to pick one that I'd rather have on my roster or as a spot starter or a flex, it's going to be Daryl Williams for me. Okay. Uh, I think I agree with you there. Uh, a little bit of edge to, to Daryl. Uh, he's more of a veteran. Uh, and, of course, he broke off the long run, and he's, he's proven that he can get the scores there near the goal line. We'll see here. Anyway, uh, in case you were under a rock, uh, Mike Evans uh, was fighting again with Marshawn Latimer. It got kind of ugly. He got, they both got dejected from the game. And now uh, Mike Evans has been suspended. Now, he is appealing this, and uh, James Thrash is hearing the appeal. You actually heard it today, and uh, we've not heard a result back from this. Probably going to hear back tomorrow, but uh, I assume that he's going to be suspended because he was suspended back uh, five years ago when this happened before for one game, and he sent out that game, so I don't know why they would reduce it. So assuming that Mike Evans is going to be suspended and not play this week, what's the fantasy impact uh, for Tom Brady and crew there uh, in Tampa, Chris? Yeah, this, this is a significant impact. And by the way, I'm a big Mike Evans fan, and I'm a big non-fan of Marshawn Lattimore. But uh, um, this was the right call. Lattimore didn't deserve to be suspended. Evans did. But, you know, with Evans being really the only guy that was doing anything out there, I know Brashad Perriman flashed. You know, they've got some other – Scotty Miller has flashed at times. But without Jones and without Godwin and with, with Russell Gage kind of being almost invisible um, – this, this is a big deal. I mean, this is such a big deal. If they signed Cole Beasley off the street to their practice squad, and I would not be surprised if he's on the field this week. He has no familiarity with Brady, but he's the kind of receiver Brady has thrived with before, the Wes Welker, you know, uh, uh, Danny Amendola, uh, Julian Edelman sorts out of the slot. I mean, this is, this is the perfect fit for, for Tom Brady. I just don't know if he can be ready to play right away and have an impact. They're going to struggle this week in Green Bay uh, in the passing game. This is going to be a big Lenny game, I think. 
Yeah, this is a big game. Uh, the Packers' defense is pretty good. Uh, and like you said, uh, Cole Beasley uh, had some offers, but he said, I'm not going to wait for the right uh, person to call, and apparently that was the GOAT. Uh, he'd been talking to, to Tom, and uh, now uh, there you go. Mike Evans is going to be suspended. Uh, it, probably uh, Godwin's probably out. Uh, Jones may be very iffy. Even if he plays, he's going to be limited. So you're looking at, at Gage, uh, Brashard Perryman, and Scotty Miller. And so they could use uh, Cole Beasley even if he just gets in there and takes three or four targets and all. Uh, fancy uh, uh, worthy? Uh, probably not. <laughs> but, you know, we've seen crazier things there. Anyway, let's move on over to Dallas where uh, Dalton Schultz came down with a bit of a, a nasty uh, knee injury. It was a very similar injury to what happened to Zeke last year, and we all know that that kind of slowed him down. It really hurt the burst. It's a PCL injury in the knee. And uh, uh, owner and GM Jerry Jones was saying that uh, we're not going to know until later this week whether we can play. Unfortunately for fantasy football, guess what? Dallas plays the New York Giants, my Giants, on Monday night football. So we might not know until Monday, and in that case, you've got to sit J- uh, Schultz. I'd probably end up sitting him anyway uh, because he's gonna, if he plays, he's not going to have much burst. They're probably going to use him limited more as a decoy. Uh, but the bottom line here is that that's my opinion. <laughs> what is your opinion, Chris, on Dalton Schultz? Do you think he's going to play? No, I, I honestly think that if I had to guess, I'd say no. And I think you're right. The best thing that can happen to the fantasy owners if they rule them out early enough in the week, at least by Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern, so that you can put uh, your backup into the game and pick up someone else. If you have to wait until until Monday night, I mean, the Giants don't have a tight end uh, worth a darn uh, on the roster. And uh, the backup, they got two young backups that haven't really seen a lot of action in Jake Ferguson and, and Peyton Hendershot for, for, for the Cowboys. Ferguson's shown a lot of flash in college, but he hasn't done anything yet, obviously, in the pros. So I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. So I, I think your best bet is to find somebody with a good matchup or that if you've got a good backup, put him in your lineup and roll with him on Sunday because you, you just can't hold out hope that he's going to play and be effective. Yeah, barring him getting out there and practicing, and, of course, he's not going – the team doesn't start practicing until Thursday. So we're not going to know until Thursday or Friday and probably into Sunday and – Something tells me we're going to get a tweet by Schefter saying he's out <laughs> for Monday night. We'll see. Anyway, let's get to the uh, shortened list of uh, injuries here. Uh, Justin Herbert, boy, took a shot to the ribs on uh, last Thursday night. Rib cartilage damage, uh, fractured rib cartilage. Now, you can play through this, but it's very painful. And so you a block. They better not uh, you know, use the same guy that uh, tried to get Tyler Taylor a block over there and uh, uh, the Chargers, you know, he went too far and punctured a lung. Uh, you know, this is how Justin Herbert got the job. So <laughs> be careful with that. But I think he's probably ended up playing. We'll see later this week, see if he actually practices at all. Dak Prescott with the, the hand, the thumb, is still out another three to four, uh, three to five more weeks. Uh, Jerry Jones is hoping it's only three because he didn't put him on IR. We'll see Cooper Rush. Uh, better play better than I thought he would. But still, it's not a fancy option there for Dallas. Uh, moving on over to New Orleans, it looks like good news for Alvin Kamara. They didn't expect him to miss multiple games with that rib injury, so it sounds like he's expected to play. And of course, we got to see him go through the practices and see what he does and all. Uh, over New England, uh, everyone's mum about uh, Damian Harris left the, uh, the game late last week with a knee injury, grabbing at his knee uh, in pain, obvious pain. Well, after the game, they talked to him in the locker room. He said, oh, everything's fine. Of course, this is how the Patriots uh, are. They're not going to say anything until the injury report comes out. 
uh, he could be, you know, on his deathbed and uh, uh, questionable. <laughs> so we'll see tomorrow <laughs> about Damian Harris. If Damian Harris uh, is out, then Pierre Strong, the rookie fourth rounder, uh, will share carries with Ron Stevenson. That's somebody to keep your eye on for a possible late week waiver wire pickup. J.K. Dobbins with the knee missed another game, and this is the same guy who said, "Oh, I'm going to be playing in week one. I don't know what you're talking about." Well, this is a week three guy. Uh, you're not playing, and now Jordan Harbaugh, the head coach, said he's week to week. That doesn't sound like he's going to play. Uh, that being said, they could really use a boost in the running game. Uh, Kenyon Drake's not doing anything there. Um, over in uh, now shooting over to a wide receiver, uh, Michael Pittman, uh, boy, hurt his quad in practice last week, missed the game. They hope that he should play this week. We'll see if he practices and all, but uh, they're saying that he was fairly close. They want to sit him and be careful. Uh, anything else on Michael Pittman than the fact that he should play, Chris, over in Indy? No, that's what they're saying. And like you said, they said that he was close to playing. And I think probably in the back of their mind, they thought, oh, it's just Jacksonville. We can beat him without him. Whoops. <laughs> they made a big mistake on that one. So uh, oh, I think that they're going to do everything in their power to get Pittman back in the lineup this week. Yep. Now, what about Alec Pierce? He's got that concussion. Uh, is Do you think that they'll he'll be able to play this week? That's interesting because I have not heard word one about him, which implies to me that he's probably still in the protocol, which doesn't bode well if you're still in the protocol, you know, more than a week after the initial concussion. Um, I, 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 If I had to guess, I'd say no, but he's, had, he's not really a fantasy factor or really even rosterable in most formats right now aside from Dynasty. So I don't think it's, a, it's a much of a fantasy factor. Okay, well, they got to do something. Paris Campbell's not cutting it. Uh, I took a big fat zero using that guy <laughs> as, a, as a fill-in for Keenan Allen, and that's the other guy on the list right now with a hamstring injury. He's uncertain to play. Boy, I tell you, I've just had luck, unluck in the one in the one league with the with the Keenan Allen and Gabriel Davis on my dynasty team. Gabriel Davis ankle injury didn't play this past Monday night. We'll see if he can practice later this week. Hopefully, he will be able to go. Uh, already mentioned. Uh, Chris Godwin with a hamstring, uncertain, probably not going to play this week. uh, Julio Jones with a knee, uh, uncertain. We'll see if he can practice. Over in Denver, Jerry Judy uh, landed on his shoulder and also injured some ribs. Uh, X-rays were negative. He's day-to-day. Hopefully he'll be able to play. Hunter Renfro, oh, boy, the end of that game, the Raiders uh, took a couple of shots, stripped of the ball, took a big shot to the head as well as laying on his shoulder. Possible concussion there. We'll find out tomorrow if he's going to be able to practice and play this week. Michael Gallup might actually play this week. Uh, if, if, he, if he doesn't, Noah Brown, there you go, calling Noah Brown. That's a fantasy uh, free agent pick up there. Pick him up. He's a top 15. I think he's WR 14 right now. George Kittle with the groin, uh, hopefully he can play this week. And, of course, Harrison Butker with the ankle. Uh, we'll see if he can kick this week. And, uh, anyway, we want to uh, mention, of course, our new sponsor, FanDuel, and they have a very special uh, promo gift for uh, Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge listeners. Tackle millions in prizes all football season long in FanDuel Fantasy Contest. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now new customers – FanDuel get a free single game entry when you sign up for FanDuel. Single game contests are a great way to get in on the action for weeks, uh, the week's biggest matchups with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Just draft your five-player lineup and put in your best player in the MVP position where the fantasy points are multiplied by one and a half. Plus, on FanDuel, you can also play full slate contests featuring multiple games, season-long best ball contests, and so much more. And when you win, you'll get paid fast. Yes, they do pay fast, people. So kick off the football season, if you haven't yet already, with a free single-game entry. 
just download the FanDuel Fantasy app off the uh, Internet there from Google and such, uh, iTunes uh, and such, uh, Google Play Games. <laughs> Sign up and use promo code MASTERMIND. Yes, M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D. That's promo code MASTERMIND to get your free single game entry. Uh, it's a free game from friend, FanDuel, and they've been around for years. A great DFS action, and they pay real quick. So uh, take it from me. Try FanDuel if you haven't already. We'll be right back after this message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, we always urge people to please check out our website, ffmastermind.com. And, and of course, our flagship uh, feature, our NFL free quick bits updated daily, uh, constantly with new information and such. Free eye in the sky scouting reports uh, released each week, uh, including two each week, uh, a review of the previous game and a preview of the uh, future game uh, from Chris Rito on the Colts. Our weekly fantasy newsletters right now, thirty nine ninety five. We're going to be prorating that down another week or two. But if you need immediate help, uh, come check us out ffmastermind.com. And please follow me on Twitter at ffmastermind. All right, the picks to click and flick. These are the guys you want to consider putting in your lineup or pulling from your lineup, not necessarily cutting them. Uh, give me a couple of quarterbacks you like this week and why, Chris. Uh, I like two guys that are facing off against each other in what I think is going to be the highest-scoring game of the week, not the Buffalo-Miami game, and that's Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins in that Minnesota-Detroit matchup. For Goff, Minnesota's allowed almost 300 yards passing per game this year, and they were among the worst in the league last year as well. The Lions' offense is frankly looking pretty impressive right now with many weapons, and they haven't even used them all yet. They've scored 35 points or more in three straight games for the first time in about 70 years, 7-0, and 30 points in four straight games. Goff started their season-ending hot streak last year with four games to go with a 300-yard, three-touchdown game against Minnesota, and he has his career high of 465 and five touchdowns against Minnesota from back in his Ram days. Now, Kirk Cousins, on the other hand, Detroit's also been very torturable in the secondary so far, and they've given up points, whether either positive or negative game script. So Cousins also has a great history against his home state team, especially as a Viking. Seven games as a Viking, he's averaged. 300 yards and two-and-a-half touchdowns in this series and has tossed three or more touchdowns four times in those seven games. This game is going to be a big offensive display. And interestingly, though, both teams have given up a ton of passing yards but not a lot of passing touchdowns, so we'll see if something gives there. Okay, a couple of quarterbacks I like this week. Matthew Stafford, hey, uh, he rebounded nicely against the Atlanta Falcons, and, of course, I think he's going to uh, be able to burn the uh, soft Cardinals secondary 
or at least a couple scores, if not three scores this week. Uh, uh, Derek Carr did a couple of scores in the first half, and of course the team didn't get much uh, action in the second half because uh, uh, Colin Murray was playing uh, comeback uh, the entire time. I think that Stafford's going to have more success this week. So if you got him, start him. Joe Burrow struggled a little bit. He's spending more time on the ground because he's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL right now, but I think he's going to get back on track against the New York Jets this week. Secondary can be beaten. Uh, Burrow, of course, with Chase. Higgins and Boyd. Uh, Higgins is, is healthy. He played last week. I think this is a monster game set up for Jamar Chase. Anyway, those are two guys that I would start this week, uh, Burrow and Stafford. Uh, these are the guys that I'm kind of concerned about. Russell Wilson, boy, you know, two pretty good matchups, and yet he's only been able to throw one touchdown pass in each game. Uh, guess what? He's facing a very tough 49er defense uh, along with the many issues. It's so bad that the timing is all screwed up and that the, the crowd in Denver is counting five, four, three to make sure that Russell Wilson gets the playoff on time. Uh, and the clock management is just horrendous. So uh, in a matchup like this, there's no reason to sit to start uh, Russell Wilson if you've got guys like Stafford. In fact, those are my two pairing in one uh, league I've got, and I'm starting Stafford over Wilson this week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, it is going to be a tough game uh, for both uh, Tom Brady and uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think the Bucks are going to give uh, Aaron Rodgers his young wide receivers fits. Um, it's going to make uh, Rodgers' life heck. Uh, so if you've got a better option than Aaron Rodgers this week, go for it. How about you, Chris, a couple of quarterbacks you're not crazy about and why? Well, you mentioned Tom Brady. He's my caution player of the week. It's as much about his lack of available weapons as it is his so far substandard fantasy play and his opponent. I mean, a lot's been made of the injuries and the suspension of wide receiver already. And like I said, I suspect this is going to be a big Lenny Fournette game. Brady actually has a fairly pedestrian stat line in his career versus Green Bay, averaging only 215 yards per game in six games, half of those under 180 yards. And like you said earlier, Green Bay is pretty decent in pass defense. They've only allowed two games over 250 passing yards in their last 20 games at home. So Tom Brady is, is, is definitely a caution play. And both leagues that I own Tom Brady, I have Carson Wentz as a backup, and I don't like him this week either. I know he's off to a great start, but he's faced two pretty questionable pass defenses. He had also not had back-to-back 300-yard games since 2019 and has never had three straight 300-yard games. So I think an underappreciated factor also is that he lost his center this week, which could make for some skittish transitions as snaps and pressure up the middle, which Philly is really good at. Philly's also shut down two pass offenses, which look much stronger in their other games so far this year. So with Wentz not exactly being known as mentally strong under high-pressure situations, maybe facing his old team, qualifies as a high-pressure one. I think this is a come-down-to-earth game for Carson Wentz. Okay, how about running backs? Uh, give me a couple of names that you like this week and why. And a couple of deeper options with some upside. I'm going to start with Naheem Hines uh, for PPR only. Uh, the only thing that worked for the Colts this week was Hines getting targets right out of the gate. He's currently third in running back receptions through two games and sixth in targets with a very low snap count so far. So with the Colts wide receivers still injured and kind of weak, he's the best threat they have after Michael Pittman in the passing game, and he's probably going to be a good outlet to help the weak pass blocking so far to get the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands. Negative game scripts might help him uh, as well. And then KC's allowed the most running back receptions and fantasy receiving points through two weeks. They'll be missing a starting corner and a starting weak side linebacker. So this could play into to Hines' advantage. And then you mentioned him earlier. I like Ramondre Stevens this week as a kind of a sneaky play. Ravens have allowed by far the most running back targets, and they are right there with the Chiefs on running back fantasy receiving points through two games. Now, while Harris said he's going to be fine, he did limp off, and Stevenson looked good in the reserve role. I think the youngster gets a bump in usage this week, and it looks like a good chance for an uptick in the passing game, which Belichick has been talking about since camp. He 
he's a good flyer as a flex or a three or a four, and definitely a cheap running back in DFS uh, should Harris be less than 100%. Okay, a couple of running backs I like this week. Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. Uh, when he's gotten the ball, he's been very impressive. They just haven't been able to get him too much volume, enough volume. He was on his way to a 100-yard day last week, and then, uh, of course, they only played uh, 18 plays. They only ran 18 plays in the second half. So the Titans' run defense just terrible. Uh, even the the combination of three running backs for the Bills ran for over 100 yards. I think Josh Jacobs gets his 100 this week with a score. So if you need him as an RB3, uh, start him with uh, – with uh, confidence. Uh, Dalvin Cook, boy, you know, he only uh, what saw like 10 touches on Monday night. It was just totally out of the game plan. Well, the Lions have already given up four rushing scores in two games this week. This is the get-well week for Dalvin Cook, so you're going to start him. Just be happy uh, and smile because you're going to get good production there. Um, on my flicks list, uh, James Conner. I know he's got that ankle injury. He might play. Uh, well, just like DeAndre Swift last week, probably going to be limited. Uh, and guess what? He's facing the Rams' tough run defense, so that's the caution play of the week for me if James Conner is okay to go. You might want to consider sitting him. Uh, the other uh, guy I'm not crazy about this week, uh, Jeff Wilson. He's going to be in an RBBC, and the Broncos uh, have, do have a stingy run defense, so I would consider other options there. It's going to be interesting to see whether it's going to be Jordan Mason, a known uh, backup uh, with Tyron uh, Davis-Price out several weeks with a, a sprained ankle, high sp- ankle sprain, or Marlon Mack, who was just elevated, uh, they're going to battle to see who's going to uh, go ahead and take uh, carries away from Jeff Wilson. But 49ers never carry, uh, just go with one guy. Uh, so I'd be careful about Jeff Wilson this week. How about you, Chris? A couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why. Yeah, first I'll start with James Conner's old running mate, Chase Edmonds. I mean, the Bills have already shown they can shut you down inside and outside. Edmonds was drafted in fantasy and being started like a lead back and a running back by committee, but he's in a pure 50-50 so far, and that's only because Mostert was a bit gimpy in week one. Uh, After Edmonds dominated week one, the roles were reversed this last week and while playing a more explosive team with Mostert getting the start. I think that's going to be the case again this week in the match with Buffalo. At best, it's a possibly confusing usage in a game against the league's number one defense that is more susceptible in the air, so I'm just staying away from Chase Edmonds altogether. And then a big caution play for me is Zeke Elliott. Once again, Zeke looked like the second-best running back in his own team, and once again, he didn't get the high-value goal line opportunities. He needs to be effective. The G-men have been decent against the run, allowing zero rushing scores and only eight running back receptions, despite playing King Henry and McCaffrey so far. Zeke's not exactly lit up the Giants in recent years either. He's only averaging 47 yards per game and 3.1 yards per carry in the last two seasons in games at the Meadowlands. Hollard's outproduced him in PPR in both of those two games and so far this year. Zeke might actually be a permanent flick until the Cowboys get their quarterback, left tackle, and wide receivers back. Ouch. Okay, how about wide receiver? Give me a couple of guys you like this week and why. A couple of PPR guys I really like. Start with Jacoby Myers. He's been a PPR wide receiver, too, so far, despite not scoring. And he's in the top 12 in targets and receptions amongst receivers through two weeks. Clearly the top target on this team. And this week they're facing a defense that has been torched by receivers in 2022 and was amongst the worst last year as well. Should have a high volume, high floor once again in PPR. And if he can manage to find pay dirt, as wide receivers have, if he's high five times against the Ravens already, he should be a low-end wide receiver one. And then I really like rookie Drake London. It's really just hard to ignore a 33% target share for a rookie that's sharing the field with Kyle Pitt. The Seahawks in the aggregate have actually been average against the wide receiver, but they've allowed all four starting receivers they have faced so far this year to get double-digit PPR points so far, despite playing against two run-dominant offenses. 
With his high volume and the attention the top corner is going to be giving to Pitt, London could be in line for a continued ascent into weekly PPR relevance. Oh, yeah. I like Drake London this week, too. A couple of guys I like this week uh, that are not uh, those names. Uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, I think, uh, you know, first of all, I don't know if you guys caught that crazy uh, deep uh, catch he made with one hand. Unfortunately, it was called back on the penalty last week. But I think he's going to score at home against the Soft Falcons secondary this week. So if you got DK and you want to start him, go ahead. He's going to produce. Uh, Allen Robinson got off the schneid uh, with uh, an early catch and then an early touchdown. Then he had another one called back on a weird play uh, where the officials uh, blew it dead halfway through the play because they thought somebody was concussed or whatnot. I thought it was a ripoff because I've got Allen Robinson in one leg, and uh, he should have had two scores in that. Anyway, he's going against the Cardinals this week, so I think Allen Robinson's going to score. Uh, so stick with him if you got him. A couple of guys I'd be concerned about. Sammy Watkins had, like, what, three catches, 90-some-odd yards. That's not going to happen against the Bucks this week. Uh, they're going to limit him, so I'd be careful about that. And plus, they were going to want their young wide receivers, Dubes and Watson, to get more play, more, more snaps in place and run more routes, and that's going to cost Sammy Watkins. Watkins some time. DJ Chark in Detroit, uh, he just flopped last week. I know he almost scored and all, but I'm just not feeling it against the Vikings this week. So um, Ron St. Brown is going to get almost everything there. Ridiculous uh, high target share in Hawkinson. And, of course, Swift catches things. I'd be careful about uh, DJ Chark this week. How about you, Chris, a couple of wide receivers you're not crazy about and why? Yeah, Brandon Ayuk, uh, for whatever reason, over his brief career, he has just done markedly better when Jimmy G would not not in the lineup. Uh, he exploded in 2020 with the other quarterbacks, and he had a second-best game last year in one of the two games Jimmy G missed. So when you combine this with a Broncos defense that has allowed a league-low yardage to wide receivers so far and zero touchdowns, this looks like a tough matchup for Ayuk to break out, although I will point out that he was targeted pretty heavily in, in the second half of last game uh, when he took over for Trey Lance. So, you know, just didn't connect with him. So maybe they're just their timing is off. And another guy I don't like is Elijah Moore. He was drafted by a lot of folks that expected his late-season breakout to continue into 2022, but he slipped well down in the pecking order to about number five or six on the Jets and a distant third amongst the wide receivers. And this is for a team that has thrown way more than anyone expected, so a reasonable regression in the overall pie could be forecast as well. The Bengals, for all their underperformance so far, have actually stifled the fantasy wide receiver pretty well, and virtually all of that limited damage has been done by true alpha targets, Deontay Johnson and T.D. Lamb. Um, Moore is just not a safe bet, and he might be getting close to being one of the highest-drafted, non-injured players to be totally dropped in fantasy leagues already this year. Wow. Okay, how about tight end? A couple of guys you like and why? I love Logan Thomas. Uh, Two very solid trends pointing toward a nice PPR game here. First of all, he's getting consistent targets, and as many as Terry McLaurin, he's consistently produced solid double-digit PPR performance when he's been in the lineup for three years in Washington. He's just not been able to stay in the field. Secondly, you may have noticed the way the Eagles had great coverage on the wide receivers on Monday night, but Herb Smith caught some balls all over the place in some key situations. So with Washington wide receivers not being as good as Minnesota and their tight end being better, I can see Thomas trending up again this week. He's also scored against in every game he's played against Philadelphia in his Washington career, as well as in every NFC East road game in his Washington career. So a lot of trends favoring him. Austin Knox this week. Um, the Bills have seemed to rotate their big game and their touchdown scores for the last two seasons, and Knox is overdue to find the end zone, even if the inevitable regression from last year takes place. Uh, I was encouraged to see him get two red zone targets on Monday Night Football. Miami, meanwhile, has allowed the second most tight end targets, receptions, and points through two games. 
and the number one team that's basically right there with them has played Kelsey and Waller. So the fact that they're giving up that Kelsey and Waller type tight end targets should tell you a lot. I think it's going to be more heavily focused on slowing down Diggs and maybe Davis. So uh, Knox has also scored in two of his last three games against Miami. Okay, did not know that. A couple of uh, tight ends I like this week. Tyler Higby. Uh, Cardinals have already allowed three tight ends to score in two games, and I think that Higby is going to score this week or come close to it. Uh, seven uh, catches for 70-some yards last week. That's that's pretty darn good in PPR, considering the fact of uh, lack of scoring overall by tight ends in the league so far through two weeks. And I'm, I think that Kyle Pitts is going to get off the schneid this week uh, against the Seahawks. I think he's going to score this week. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's still getting the targets. He's just not connecting well with Mariota, but he's too uh, big and too important of a uh, uh, player to not get fed, and I think he's going to be get fed and uh, still stick with him this week. A couple guys I uh, would sit on the bench firmly, uh, Cole Komet, one target, no catches, week one. One target, no catches, week two. Yeah. Uh, are you sure you can catch a football, Cole? I don't know. They're not throwing it to him like he can now. Granted, the first one was a rainstorm. But this last one, he, he could have been used uh, to be try at least in the passing game. So you sit him until he gets more than one target and no catches. Uh, Albert O, that's another guy uh, coming off of a skunk game where he didn't do anything. Uh, well, the 49ers really shut down opposing pass-catching tight ends, so I'm, I'm going to sit him this week and uh, look elsewhere for more fantasy production. All right, Chris, how about you a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about and why? Yeah, to be fair, two two targets for Cole Komet does put him in a 50% target uh, share with, with how infrequently Chicago passes the ball. So <laughs> you never know. Uh, uh, I, I don't like Noah Fant this week. I don't even know why this guy's on so many rosters. He's about 75% owned right now and 25% started, but he's only got five catches for 27 yards on six targets through two games. He's not even getting the most snaps or targets amongst the tight ends on his own team. He's the third tight end in fantasy points on his own team. If you had a crazy idea to start him anyway, know that the Falcons' very seemingly generous tight end fantasy points is completely warped by Taysom Hill's 50-some-yard touchdown run last Sunday. They're really not that generous to the position. Fant should be unowned as well as unstarted. And my caution play of the week is Zach Ertz. Uh, the Rams have only allowed six targets and four catches for 29 yards to the tight end through two games. And they faced Kyle Pitts and Dawson Knox and two pretty high-volume passing games. The Rams were also pretty good against the position last year also, not allowing a tight end to a touchdown after week 10. Ertz has also played the Rams five times. He's never topped 42 yards, never scored a touchdown, never hit 10 PPR points in a single game, including two games as a Cardinal last season. He's still a starter for you, but definitely a much lower ranking and expectations than usual for a guy of his caliber. Wow, that's some good information there, take heed, people. All right, uh, time for one-hit wonders at kicker and defense. Hit me with them. I like Will Lutz. Carolina's allowed four field goals in four of its last five games dating back to last year, and Lutz has scored double digits in three of his last four versus Carolina. And then I like Graham Gano for the second week in a row. Fresh off a four-field goal game. Yes, I called it last week. Woo! He faces Dallas, who has allowed the most field goal attempts. He's also averaging 14 points per game versus Dallas as a New York Giant, so that's, that's pretty darn good. Uh, as far as defenses, I, I got to like Kansas City against Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis is the lowest scoring team through two weeks and is the top five in sacks and turnovers allowed. And the Chiefs should be playing with the league. Surprisingly, KC is only about 25% owned, according to MyFantasyLeague.com. And then I like the Bears at home against Houston, one of the weakest offenses in the league. They're only averaging 10 points per game on the road in the last two seasons. And Chicago is only allowing 10 points per game in their last three at home. So it looks like a good get-well game for that defense. 
All right. Um, well, we want to remind everyone a premium weekly in in-season fantasy newsletter purchase gets you free access to our subscriber forum where there are nearly 4,000 subscribers registered waiting to voice their opinions. Thank you for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Michael Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we offer our week four preview of the NFL fantasy football season. Good night and good luck to everyone playing. Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!